Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the PR Week, PR Week's regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the worlds of PR and communications. My name is Steve Barrett. I'm the editorial director of PR Week, going to guide you gently through another show. And we have a PR legend for you this week, listeners. You are very lucky. We've got Alison Broad with us, who is the founder of Alison Broad Marketing and Communications. And Alison, we've been trying to get you on the show for ages, so we're so pleased to have you um, as a guest. Welcome. I'm super honored, and I've taken a lot of time um, really going into the podcast um, that you guys do and enjoying them and how you bring kind of a sense of humor to everything. Super. Yeah, yeah well, you know, life's too short not to have a bit of <laughs> it's Everything's so serious, especially these days. So, yeah. yeah. Um, we try and get the balance right, but it's great to have you on, and we're going to chat to you about all the brilliant work you're doing and, how, and the agency. And we've got Diana Bradley here with us, our associate news editor, who's co-hosting me with me this week because Frank is on holiday. How are you doing, Diana? Great to have you on board. I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I haven't done a show with you for ages, so uh, looking forward to this. And uh, you're the one who covers a lot of our consumer stuff anyway, so it's a good show yeah. for you to do. Definitely. In a chat to Alison, then we will talk about the Pfizer vaccine, which was finally officially approved by the FDA, and talk about what that's going to mean for messaging around um, vaccines and getting getting your shot. Zeno has taken a stake in Igami, which is an interesting play. We will talk about the 9-11 Memorial and Museum PSA, which has been launched this week in the run-up to the 20th anniversary of that horrific terrorist attack. Um, Maria Marina Ma has hired a new lead for healthcare and corporate uh, PRs, and we've got a few other people moves as well. And the big questions of the week, is it too early for pumpkin sky, slice, spice latte? <laughs> Tony Hall. Ooh, that sounds good. Slice spice. Uh, <laughs> the crate challenge and, and anything else that uh, caught our eye on social media this week. So, uh, yeah. So let's get into it. Alison, there's a lot of chat and, and navel gazing around can, you know, about how PR agencies don't do so well, um, especially in the PR category. But one agency I always see every year winning awards is Alison Broad, Marketing and Communications. So tell us how you do it and tell us the specific <laughs> brand of, of work that seems to really do well at, um, at Cannes. Thank you so much. Um, so I think I told you earlier, like it, it was never something that we created campaigns Four, we just kind of got lucky that we got kind of caught up in it. What I think one of the main philosophies of the agency is we think in headlines, right? So by knowing that, so when we had creative programs and we are, you know, some of our best partners are, you know, the creative agencies is adding that, um, lens to maybe a fantastic marketing idea of like, what is, how are we going to tie it into what the news is? And I think using that like ideating and headlines has helped us to gain more coverage and then get more awareness for 
campaigns. Um, also looking at the news, not sort of saying like, okay, here's our idea, but what are the ideas that the journalists like? And how do the consumers like get to touch and feel an idea? Because sometimes there's a great, you know, a lot of people come up with these great videos, but there's no call to action and there's nothing to do besides watch a video. And that's where we sort of started coming in and saying, okay, there are lots of tools and things that we can do to, to bump this up. Yeah, the other thing people get hung up on is, you know, who has the big idea, right? So is it the <laughs> ad agency? Is it the PR agency? The, the holy grail, I guess, is to get the big idea credit, isn't it? But, you know, these days we're all working in partnership as well. So what's your take on that? Yeah, it's so interesting. Okay, so we were called ABPR for most of my career. And what was happening was we were either startups would come to us early or, you know, and we'd look at decks even from the beginning and there'd be 30 pages and two Harvard graduates and an idea. And we'd say, you know, line 23 on page 22 is really the only thing that like the consumers are going to care about. And, and so that, that was part of it. We were helping to actually message the company and then PR used to be in like a bucket, right? So brands used to say, all right, here's our marketing budget. Here's our media spend. And here's the PR budget with the PR budget being really tiny. And then when the digital and influencer world started going nuts, what happened was, they didn't know what to do. So instead of a million dollars, let's say, being broken down, you know, into different parts, they would say, okay, here's an RFP. We are sending it to, the brands would say, send it to an ad agency, a media buying agency, a digital agency, PR agencies. So we were all in the mix and it became like a best idea wins. So the, the good news was we got called for so many more things than we used to. The budgets were bigger. We were able to be more creative. You know, it took us a while to jump in because all of a sudden we were an agency used to pitching against PR agencies in a certain way. And now we're up against giant ad agencies with, you know, 15 person design and video capabilities. So we had to sort of make our merchandise ourselves a little bit better. So I think, you know, that kind of came where we were finally able to offer our own creative marketing services, but like the best the, the best things really are integrated. You know, the integrated system usually does work with best idea wins and everybody adding layers onto it. So luckily, we've had great partners like Gut, David and Mischief and DDB, where we just work well with them. Yeah. And uh, let's talk a few specifics. You did really well with Burger King. That won the PR Grand Prix <laughs> for the Whopper Detour a couple of years ago. You did really well for Popeye's. Um, this year, but really, if you think about the big ideas with those two, they're very simple. Like you said, the you know the Whopper detour was let's get people who are at uh, you know McDonald's and get them to come yeah. to Burger King. And, well, Fernando uh, Machado, I have to give credit for that one. And um, I don't know if you guys have spoken. He's, yeah, he's the client and the CM, he was the CMO at Burger King, wasn't he? He, re- he really is. Um, he, he he's a special guy and spins ideas left and right. And and then we kind of honed it and we added the PR legs. But he's the, he's the guy who walks out of the shower in the morning with fifty ideas. And what I always say, at least personally, is I don't I don't have ten ideas for what the new you know cup is going to look like. But if you give me an idea, I'm going to edit it sixteen different ways. Yeah. And you know my agency also, and I have fantastic women who've worked for, with me forever that live die. One of the things that we hire, you know, we we say like you can. We hire artists 
we train them to be scientists. So often, and I don't want to go too far of what you want to talk about. When we do the new business pitches, people want to know, how's our status report done? How's reporting? Which, of course, I get. But like the people we hi- I hire are ultra competitive. So from the beginning, there's that like, I want to win. We can teach anyone how to do a status report. Yeah, and um, you have to be bold as well. I mean, if you think of Burger King, they did the the moldy mm. the um, whopper, which was uh, another of those really creative ideas. But you know, the idea of putting a piece of moldy food out as a piece of marketing was, was very bold, and you know, people took it different ways. But it probably, in, on balance, it worked, didn't it? it got people yeah. talking about the brand. How do you measure the value? Because one of the problems, like you were talking about PR, one of the problems with PR is that it was always quite difficult to measure the right, impact. Right. You, when, you, when you're sort of reporting back to the CFO of Burger King or Restaurant Brands International, how do you how do you measure yeah. the value of I mean, patients? everybody is very caught up on impressions, right? So, you know, there's, there are impressions and... What we always actually try to do, and we can do a lot of this now through influencer marketing, is like, how do we have a drive to sales? Because in the end, that's like what someone looks at at the end of the day. Like, it's great if there are these fantastic ideas, but where can we add on a consumer element where they are going in? You know, I know you had Bruno on and the Popeyes. We come in. Yeah. Who's the CMO of Popeyes and Sammy, who's the president there, and RBI? We just I, I, we couldn't love them more as partners. Every day is an adventure, and they're just terrific and credit us in every way. Sammy and Jose and everybody there. But so got um, they had come up with um, we come in peace, which was hey, you know, we don't want to start the chicken wars again. And the build actually from somebody in my office was okay. You know, we're southern. It's a you know hey, y'all kind of mentality. Let's do something and let's actually like put our, you know, mouth where the money, you know, money is. And let's offer to buy a million chicken nuggets from our competitors. Like, hey, we don't want y'all to feel bad. Like we're going to take care of you on the day that we launch. So that was our PR build to that. And, and the tweet happened. was, y'all good. Yeah, that was where the exactly, sort of exactly. It's sort of like that bless your heart mentality. And I, Popeyes is close to me because I went to college in New Orleans and it's a big part of me. Um, and then we did, we sponsored the Sports Illustrated um, swim model and uh, swimsuit model, which uh, event which was at the Hard Rock in Fort Lauderdale. And we had and Megan the Stallion and uh, Naomi Osaka. And we got supermodels to eat the nuggets around the pool and do all kinds of activations. So we, you know, we added that layer. And then we did these um, gigantic Popeye safes. And we sent them to celebrities with one box of the nuggets and every sauce. And we got so much earned with Cardi B and just lots of great partners and Gail King's a supporter. So there were so many different layers that we took from that we come in peace. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that's changed, I guess, in the last five years is influencers. So you've got the celebrity influencers like you were talking about there, but then you've got micro-influencers, ordinary folks who've become huge stars, etc. How has that changed your business and how do you engage with those cohorts to make sure you're getting the right people? It was interesting for us because when I when I did the architecture for my latest office, we have a hair salon. It's floor to ceiling, 
brands and beauty products and food products. And I created it as a showroom. We are a very brainstorm oriented, engaged. We used to do over a hundred events at the office to get the people there. You know, back in the days, they were called tastemakers, right? Now they're called influencers. And I remember when I was doing the layout to the office, I said, okay, here, there are going to be two lounges. Here's the hair salon. Here's the beauty. Here's the food kitchen. And the architect looked at me. He's like, you didn't make any room for the desks. I'm like, oh, shoot, the desks. Because <laughs> I was like, life's one big party. So, so we then went up against all of these, you know, a million agencies, little agencies cropped up and they had their algorithms, which they didn't want to explain to anybody. And they had their numbers. And in the end, the same skills that we've always used to get to know the media and celebrities for relationships are sort of the same skills. So anyone just sort of like cropping up with algorithms, you know, might not remember that it's Addison Ray's birthday or her favorite color or the, you know, biggest TikTok stars. Um, so it's been lucky. The best thing about influencers right now is what also used to happen was if we had a brand, especially in beauty, which was like ultra competitive, you know, you had to give exclusives to magazines. And if you didn't have anything new launching, you were kind of out of luck. The great thing with, with influencers and TikTok and Instagram now is you can take any product you want and make it fresh again. Yeah, and it's it fascinating stuff. How are you doing? You, you talked about the office and, and brainstorming and all that good yeah, stuff. Yeah. How, do you, how have you been doing that in lockdown? You know, because obviously people haven't been able to get together. I know. So we are one of the few offices, I think, probably in New York that still that does have a hybrid because we are so engaged and we have an influencer and celebrity program where people do come up the showroom. Um, we're big on brainstorms. And I just felt, you know, we made so many new hires, as you know, you know, everybody luckily and it's not a brag for me I think the whole industry is doing well right now and finding people and you can't hire nine new people and work them as hard as we do right anyone who knows the business knows being at a PR agency is it is not easy work you need lots of skills lots of it's at client services it's 24 hours there's no you know it's, it's so they have to have like camaraderie and friends they have to learn the social cues of like when to speak in a meeting or when to smile at a client or or, you know, to play with the product. So we really masked and carefully, like our people are coming in and we have different groups. We're still trying to have meetings distance. It's very much a part of our culture. So um, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. But lots of people moved away. I now and when I thought that was going to hurt me, um, it's been great. We now have people in Miami, in Denver, in Nashville, more in L.A. And we've gained more clients, not local clients, but clients who really are like, oh, we're opening stores in Newport and Miami and Denver. That's fantastic. And it's become a benefit. So if I'm not mistaken, you started your firm in 1996. So that makes this your 25th anniversary. I love that you know that. I met a man in an elevator of my building and I was pretty aggressive you know, 25 year old back then. And I was big on eavesdropping and the man looked like James Bond. And he was talking about launching a fragrance. And I was at an agency of a woman who I really liked, but it, there was, was five people and there was, there was no growth. And I kind of interrupted and I said, Oh, I do 
I, I work in fragrance. And he kind of looked at me. He's like, do you have a card? And two weeks later, he called in after two weeks. He After two hours, he said, if you want to start your own business, I'll be your first client. And it was, he, and he, I got an office and an assistant and it was sort of, and then I could take on anything that wasn't competitive to him. I believe and that was Burberry, was it not? It was Burberry. Yeah. And what was so exciting, it was mostly on the fragrance side, is that, it was three. Now everybody takes an old brand and dusts it off and re, you know, makes it hot. Back then, Burberry was like one of the first. No one had, they didn't, they had not even done that to Gucci or Louis Vuitton really yet. So they put Kate Moss in a mini kilt for the ad campaign. So not only did it give me my first client, but it taught me to think in, in a way that maybe I wouldn't have did if it had I not had such a interesting launch. Yeah, yeah, it's a fantastic story, and then the rest is history. So, and still going stronger than ever. So, yeah, great to hear the stories. Um, do you consider yourselves a, a New York agency? Because you, you mentioned your Tulane roots. You sort of grew up in Florida as well. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where do you where do you root yourself? Because you uh, so yes, we are based. Feel like a New York agency. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I actually lived in Charlotte, North Carolina, New Orleans, Florida. Um, I've kind of been all over, but um, I, I am a New York mindset and we are very much the the office showroom salon is very much a part that said when we were only six people um we actually won the gap account and we won the gap account we were e-luxury we were this so we were e-luxury's agency and it was lvmh's website back in the 90s back when there was no Saks, no Neiman Marcus, no anything.com. You could buy a submarine or Louis Vuitton bag or lipstick. And the president of eLuxury went over to Gap Body. And we got hired because we actually, she said, we were the only agency that talked about cities other than the ones on the coast. And I had had a lot of fragrance industry business where I did um, just, you know, I'd take Paulina Porskova and we'd go to 10 cities to pitched the Escada fragrance. So we, the regional became a big deal. And actually during Fashion Week, we were the only agency for 10 years. We were Mercedes agency, actually. So we did Fashion Week to host a regional press only event. So while we're super New York in our mindset, probably, um, we believe in regional markets and talking to them and the power of, you know, I always say from the local country club moms in Boca Raton to, you know, the it girl in, you know, Houston, that micro is just as important for a groundswell as macro. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's great to chat to you, and we're looking forward to getting your input on some of the stories we're talking about. Um, Diana, over to you. It was good to see that the Pfizer vaccine finally got, well, I say finally, it's still in record time, officially approved by the FDA. And that, that, is that a game changer? Tell us about the story and, and what your thoughts are on it. Sure. So um, on Monday, the FDA issued full regulatory approval for the shot co-developed by Pfizer and BioNTech in people 16 and older. It could prompt businesses and schools to issue vaccine mandates. And it seems like it's already starting to make a difference in the way businesses are responding. Um, Just a few hours after the agency issued formal approval. The Pentagon said it will make uh, vaccinations mandatory, as did New York City schools. United Airlines recently said its employees will be required to show proof of vaccination within five weeks of regulatory approval. Goldman Sachs told employees on Tuesday 
that anyone entering its offices in the U.S. has to be fully vaccinated. And Ohio State University also announced that all students, faculty, and staff needed to be vaccinated in the fall, becoming the first large state university to do so. So we'll see what other institutions and businesses issue vaccine mandates now. And um, hopefully this will also convince some unvaccinated people to change their minds as the Delta variant surges. Um, but um, our sister publication, MM&M, um, got an interesting um, insight in, from Rob Willer, who's a professor of sociology and psychology at Stanford University. He says he actually doesn't think FDA approval will have a big effect on vaccination rates in the U.S. He said more impactful would be for more Republican leaders to promote vaccination more prominently. So we'll see if this really changes anything. Yeah, it's been like one of the big excuses given, isn't it? has been, well, it's not uh, approved by the FDA. That's no longer there now. And, of course, now the drug has a name, so it will be able to market it. That's a whole PR thing in itself, right? Well, I was going to ask you that, Alex. That's the best PR story of all. Like, watching the... um, the late night talk show host go at that is 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 been a, a pleasure. Well, how it's, it's commonality, isn't it? Well, was, it is, but who knows? Like when you have to issue a press release with the with the spelling, I mean, with the pronunciation, you know that maybe there's a mistake. Yeah, yeah. So how would you go about marketing it, and how big a game changer do you think the approval is? I mean, you know, I kind of sort unfortunately agree with what Diana said that I think Republican leaders really do need to to speak. I think that they're um, I know we are very female based. A lot of women are nervous because of pregnancy, you know, of, of you know, mm-hmm. will it affect their baby one day? And, you know, the only thing I've said to people, because, you know, you do have to be kind of careful is people are getting sick with the vaccine, imagine what this could do to you if you don't have it. And it's not just getting sick and feeling bad for a few weeks. The lingering effects on your life of a weaker heart, is it worth it? And then if we get horns from this, then we're all going to get horns. If you don't have horns, you're not going to be cool because you don't have horns from the vaccine. So just roll with it. Exactly. That's a good one. There is a meme going around that um, the other thing that isn't FDA approved is tattooing. Okay, so anyone who gets a tattoo is putting something on or in their body that isn't FDA approved. That's a good one. And I just thought to myself, well, I wonder how many of the people who uh, use the uh, lack of FDA approval on the Pfizer vaccine have got tattoos, because I, I, I have a suspicion there'd be quite a big uh, crossover there. But uh, anyway, that's probably... <laughs> I mean, and honestly, like, since when did healthcare become a political issue? It's just yeah. it's mind-blowing. So it I, I don't know. Yeah. But... It really is. But uh, anyway, I think it's good news that it's been approved. and. Yes. Uh, See where that goes. So uh, another interesting story this week, Diana, was Zeno, which has taken a stake in Igami, which is a black-owned agency, and uh, very interesting. And uh, what's going to become of that? So uh, tell us all about it. Sure. So um, they bought a stake in Igami, um, and they've also kind of formed a strategic partnership. Um, although remaining separate and independent. The PR firms will share their experience in helping brands communicate with multicultural audiences and driving social impact. The collaboration will provide leadership and career opportunities for diverse talent from both firms. 
Byron Calamese, uh, who is MD of Zeno East, um, which is New, which encompasses New York and DC, and Paris Bow, who's MD of Agami, will lead the partnership. And the endeavor forges the agency's shared interests in DEI and multicultural communications and marketing, responding to client demand. Um, so the partnership will provide Agami access to resources, mentorship, new connections, and opportunities. Yeah, Agami, uh, founded by Tanisha Warner, um, Jackson Warner. So, um, Alison, obviously the population of the U.S. has changed and it is continuing to change. It's a much, much more diverse population now. Yeah. The, you, you mentioned you're, you, you run an all-women business. Um, there has been a... <laughs> lack of diversity in the industry from an ethnic point of view. Um, do you think that's changing? And how do you play? I know you have a multicultural division. Yeah. Uh, we were very... changing, aren't they? So you've got to reflect that with the people you're Yeah. Involved. So um, we were very, very early on to Hispanic. Um, and that is still, um, and, and I'm going to be very truthful when we used to call it multicultural, you know what we weren't. So, you know, when all this came to the forefront and it wasn't, I'm going to be as candid as I can. It wasn't that we weren't outwardly trying to recruit from, um, you know, the HBCUs and things like that. It just, we just weren't finding people. They weren't finding us. We weren't finding them. And I, I realized I, I had to work harder. So I had a six point plan of hiring, training, um, speaking speakers. Um, we, we did lots of different things. We, we did pro bono work, uh, PR to get to know some of these people. Um, so yeah, we had a lot of, I mean, being honest, I had a lot of work to do in that in that on that front and um it's it's made us much better as um an agency certainly yeah i think in in new york people i mean you talk a lot about h people talk a lot about hbcus but if any any college in new york is diverse purely by definition because new york's such a diverse city so um i think we've all been building better relationships with the uh colleges right. in, in new york city and, yeah. and and things are starting to change, but still a, a, a long, long way to go. And that's a, that's yeah. a great move by Zeno to the, the other problem. And yeah. um, which was Tanisha sort of pointed out was the lack of access to capital and venture capital of founders, right? So they were only getting less than 4% of capital and 2.3% of venture capital money. So uh, Zeno putting their money where their mouth is there. And that's good to see. Yeah. Um, Diana, it's, it's, sobering to think that it's coming up 20 years since 9-11 and that horrific terrorist attack that uh, changed New York, changed the world forever. Um, and the 9-11 Memorial and Museum has put a PSA out this week called Never Forget to make sure, you know, people, because a lot of young people probably weren't that conscious of it, but uh, it's important we never forget that horrific um, day. Yes. Um, so uh, the National September 11th Memorial Museum launched um, the Never Forget Fund, which is a new fund dedicated to supporting its educational programs to spread awareness for younger Americans. Um, it includes Remember, the, a national PSA starring Chloe Downey, the granddaughter of FDNY Chief Raymond Downey, who oversaw special operations and died in the attacks. Um, and, um, the campaign was created by DC based agency subject matter, 
Um, it will also include print and out-of-home versions of the PSA. Um, museum will also honor the 20th anniversary with a commemorative ticket, a hand-etched metal keepsake that includes admission to the museum. Um, and the Never Forget Fund um, also launched September 11th, the day that changed the world, which is a digital poster exhibit to help younger generations learn about 9-11. And the exhibit is available in schools and libraries across the U.S. Um, so, yeah, they, they plan to engage with younger audiences through their social channels, and they hope the campaign will attract new partners, supporters, and donors. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a whole generation that wasn't born at that time. Um, we'll be doing a bunch of coverage on that over the next two weeks. Alison, you know, you're, you knew your business. I don't know, what, what were your memories of that day and how important is it? Never forget it. I had worked from home. I had a home office and I finally, my my now ex-husband came home. I had six women like we're at a, I had a big apartment, but I had six women doing like a beauty mailing all over the apartment. And finally he looked at me, he's like, just, I think it's time for you to get an office. I think that women in business and, and I, you know, I hate to stereotype. We're very, um, I've moved a million times because we think sometimes like we we're like, Oh, we're going to stay the same size. And then we grow. We have to keep moving. I think men in business are like, Oh, we're going to be huge in a year. And they take space. That's like three times too big. So we think differently. So I wasn't ready to, so I finally take a space and I'm in for four days. And 9-11 happened. Um, wow. So I was like, oh, my God, the world, I've just taken this space. And, I, you know, we didn't know what to do. But, you know, again, New Yorkers are tough. <laughs> and, you know, um, there was just this this power of we are not, you know, we are going to fight this. And my ex-husband worked in across the street from the Twin Towers. And the only reason he actually left early is because he had worked in the Twin Towers during the last bombing. So when this happened, they thought something could happen. So, yeah, it was it was definitely a was definitely a a strange time and even now there are always events it's fashion week and there are things on 9-11 and when i hear that we have to do an event on 9-11 it's 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 you've got such guilt for doing it yeah yeah it's actually on a saturday this year the 20th anniversary but um we uh and of course we shouldn't forget that it it wasn't just new york it was dc and the people who died in flight 93 as well including one one PR professional. So um, we remember all those who died. We will never forget. And we'll be covering that uh, over the next two weeks. And, uh, and unfortunately, what's happening now in Afghanistan, like, what, you know, who, who, who knows what could happen now? Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. a whole other show, isn't it? Where, about yeah. the, what's happened in the last 20 years on that front. Yeah, but, uh, yeah you're, you're right. Um, Diana, Mar- Marina Mark Communications, quite a note, noteworthy hire, couple of hires there, including a new head of healthcare and corporates. Uh, and, and any other people moves of interest? Uh, there's a lot of people moves uh, over the last six to nine months. Yes, there has uh, been a lot of moves over at Marina Mar. Um, so the latest one is they've appointed Olga Fleming as um, their first president of healthcare and corporate businesses. So, so she starts in September. Um, and uh, she and they've also um, named Courtney Walker, MD, to lead the agency's RX Mosaic Healthcare Agency and Healthcare New Business. Um, they're both from Goodfuse, which is a boutique communications agency under BCW's umbrella of companies. 
Um, and BCW Group has merged Goodfuse into the GCI family of agencies upon um, Fleming's departure. Yeah, interesting, uh, interesting moves there. Uh, for good for her. Good, good for them, and good for her. I, I, I always respected her a lot as I was uh, growing up and in, in the industry. Yeah. Another uh, woman, yeah. woman-owned agency. Yeah, yeah, and and a nice person too. I I think so. Um, I I always really liked her a lot. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's get to the meat of the podcast. Let's talk about social media. Media. Let's talk about skater blood, crepe challenges, pumpkin spice latte. Diana, this is you cover this all the time. We can do any any amount of in-depth pieces on crisis comms and reputation management, but we really get the traffic when you do a story about Mayorio or ghost cars, <laughs> you know, all this good stuff. Chicken wars. Um, is it is it too early for pumpkin spice latte, Diana? Okay, so it's August. We're having a heat wave here in the tri-state area. <laughs> Uh, if that doesn't make you want a nice hot fall, I don't know what will, you know? Um, So, um, yeah, they brought back the pumpkin spice latte at Starbucks one day earlier this year than they did last year. Um, I don't know if that's in response because Duncan brought theirs back, I think like, uh, the 18th or earlier this month. Um, so maybe there's like some kind of competition going on. Yeah, pumpkin spice builds like a hurricane. This thing won't die. But I will tell you, we are Panera's agency and we love them. And we launched Cinnamon Crunch Latte inspired by their bagel to go head to head with pumpkin spice because <laughs> who doesn't love Cinnamon Crunch, right? So that, that was sort of our take to, to Cinnamon Crunch. But we did even just basic day to day through beauty, through everything, pumpkin spice spice will not die and i don't know maybe it sh- maybe it shouldn't you know maybe their ice pumpkin spice latte should be well, a thing. It's kind yeah, of chalky. Say, like presumably, presumably there is an ice version uh yeah, for, yeah. for uh, this time of year and you also rep uh, tim hortons don't you so exactly. where, where are they on? So we've got some stuff coming up there, too. I was good. Yeah, we love Tim Hortons. Tim Hortons also lets us be really creative. So, um, yeah, we, we, Diana, you'll be hearing from us on uh, some some thoughts that we have on that. Okay. Watch this spice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Do you like that, Diana? You've missed us. Whatever. Cinnamon Crunch. Cinnamon Crunch is the new pumpkin spice. I'm, I'm here to say it. Okay. Diana, tell us all about uh, skater blood. Oh, skater blood. This kind of gives me the (laughs) heebie-jeebie. So the canned water company Liquid Death um, tapped brand ambassador Tony Hawk for its limited edition skateboard collection. And Hawk had previously sold his soul to Liquid Death in a legally binding contract, which technically meant that they owned Hawk's blood. So the brand decided to use that privilege to infuse 100 boards with Hawk's DNA. The skateboarding legend also starred in digital in a digital promo created by Humanot, which showed his blood being drawn and <laughs> into red paint. Delicious. Um, so, um, yeah, the... Uh, the skateboards were created by Prime Skateboards. It's limited edition. Um, and um, they, Andy Pearson, who is um, Liquid Death's VP of Creative, told 
our sister publication, Campaign US. Um, there's nothing specific we're trying to do other than have Tony give us his blood and give people a chance to get it. <laughs> um, the boards were pressed at 500 each, and they sold out in 20 minutes. And a portion of the proceeds will be donated to anti-plastic nonprofit Five Gyres and Hawks, the skateboard project. Well, there you go. Well, point one, I never buy this sold out in 20 minutes thing. <laughs> I mean, they probably only made three. Well, it can't be sold out in 20 minutes because you don't know how many. Maybe only five were produced. Exactly. They made 100. Oh, they made 100. Sorry. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, Alison, what do you think? Have you ever considered selling I'm, your soul for PR? I, I think I sell my soul. My soul is PR. You have to live and breathe it to, to deal. I, I, I got to say, I thought this was so smart. I was at the Central Park Clive Davis concert in the hurricane, oh, the wow. hardest rainstorm ever, waiting for yeah. Bruce Springsteen, who was going to do an acoustic set, but he couldn't even do it. Um, and all the... Um, the guards and the police were drinking liquid death. I thought this was so smart. I'm jealous. Um, we did something. One of the women in my office came up with it. We work with Coors. And so when Tampa Bay Lightning, this wasn't quite as edgy, but um, dominated the final. We had they had they used some of the ice from the actual where the hockey final was um, played on and made limited edition beer. So listen, it's tough out there. It's hard to be a gangster. You got to keep coming <laughs> up with things. So I think liquid death, I, you won. They won. They win. They win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Tony's, Tony's line was, I didn't exactly read the fine print, but it was kind of said like in a funny way. Yeah. So I thought the whole thing was done really well. He sounds uh, very game and up for it. So good for him. Yeah, it was great. Um, Diana, have you taken the hashtag crate challenge? Um, you'll be very surprised to hear this, but no. <laughs> um, I can see it in the garden with the chickens uh, doing the crate challenge over the chicken oh, coop. We'll have the chickens do it. That would be a good. That would be a good calm for you, Diana. Doing every one of the PR challenges in the uh, <laughs> sphere. Um, yeah, I don't know if I would do this one. This yeah. Tell us about it. Tell us about it, Diana. Is okay. it, is it just a sort of organic one? This isn't a brand thing, is it? It sounds like it's organic. Um, if it is a brand thing, then um, I I don't know what to say about that brand. But um, <laughs> so yeah, basically the Tony Hawk. He's skateboarding over. <laughs> <laughs> the crates are infused with blood. Yeah, um, they will be by the time you pull. Listen, I'll put a chicken sandwich in there, and we're all good. Oh, there oh. we go. So, um, over the past several days, um, hashtag crate challenge or milk crate challenge has emerged on social media, um, during which groups of people are challenged to climb and descend a pyramid created from milk crates. Um, and they're basically trying to make it to the other side without tripping or falling off of the crates. Some people are even doing it in high heels. And, um, you know, loads of people are trying this out. Um, I What could go wrong? Yeah. And, you know, this is the kind of thing where I it's kind of, you have to question, like, should brands be getting involved in this at all or even like just mentioning it, mentioning it at all? Like, even if they're saying something against it, it would kind of bring a little more awareness to it. Like um, a few years ago, there was the Tide Pod Challenge and, and Tide enlisted Gronk to dissuade teens from participating in that. And then 
it just like, made it even more <laughs> made more awareness around it right exactly and then a couple years ago i don't know if you remember the bird box challenge which was um inspired by that netflix film um which required oh, participants to oh, right. like, oh, as well blindfolded, like drawing. That was one of the first ones, right? That I yeah. right, heard about that. Yeah. Well, then I think the FDA, right? Didn't um, Conan or somebody made made a joke about the FDA getting, you know, telling them to stop that it would be the FDA? <laughs> I and, don't and they, the FDA. Yeah, no, he just said it was. I think it was yesterday or something that the FDA should like, you know, the milk people, whatever, should should do it. And that's become like a, a thing right now. Oh, OK. OK. I guess the serious point here is, you know, you can have a lot of fun on social media. You can do some really bold stuff, but you've got to be careful, haven't you? Because it can backfire if you get it wrong or you get the tone wrong for the brand. We are so, listen, we represent a lot of cool startups and really interesting brands and a lot of big companies. We are so careful. We really are. We've we've thrown out more ideas that we were in love with just on the chance that somebody might, you know, especially when you work with it. It's just, it's just, it's never worth it, especially today. Today, you've got a problem with, you know, we just launched this fantastic campaign with Old Navy where there's every single size, you know, but then there was, you know, the next size, people were unhappy that we didn't have that. So you're going to get criticized no matter what, you know, somebody yeah. always. So it's like we, we just err on the side of caution. Yeah. And you've got a plan for the responses as well, haven't you, beforehand? So you're ready. Yeah, to so in this like extreme sports, we just started working with like the drone league. Everything is so extreme. When I see the sports, Sports and the dares and the things people are doing, you know, people are jumping, repelling off of buildings like they think nothing of like hopping over a crate. But you twist your ankle. You know, I hate to be a Jewish mother. And, you know, you're you're out of commission. You are. Good point. Good point. Listen, Alison, it's great to chat to you. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. Happy 25th anniversary for you. Thank you. Thank going you. stronger than ever, so lots more to come. And look really appreciate it. Tracking that. Diana, thank you for joining us. Great to do a show with you. You too. Thank you, and uh, don't forget the PR Week Awards. Hoping to see some Alison Brodwork in that. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's uh, next week is the first deadline, but there's a, an extended deadline as well, so make sure you're working yeah, on those entries. And uh, please have PR decoded in your calendars. That's the uh, 12th to the 14th of October. That's our big conference around the topic of purpose. And our Purpose Awards will be on the 13th of uh, October in the middle of those three days. And finally, our 40 Under 40, that will be on the 28th of October. So look out for all those events. But that's all we got time for. We'll see you next time on the PR Week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the PR Week. To find more episodes, visit PRWeek.com.